Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello. This is the Brickflix Fryfest preview series 2019. Welcome to another Brickflix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright. And this is the Frightfest 2019 series of podcasts. There'll be a few of these coming thick and fast. And today's guest is Graham Hughes. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my absolute pleasure. In fact, it's an absolute pleasure to be in the same time zone as someone when you're organising podcasts, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Still uh, hundreds of miles apart. But... Indeed. Indeed. Together in spirit. Indeed we are. Now, we haven't come to talk about how friendly we all are across the world. Uh, well, we could do that if we want. But what we have come together to do is talk about your film, which is showing at Frightfest. So, Death of, of a Vlogger is your movie. Do you want to tell us, uh, give us a brief synopsis to what that is? Yeah, so it is a horror paranormal mockumentary. Um, it's all about... Um, a vlogger that's trying to go viral online and um, just doing all the trends and everything he can. And then one of his videos gains unexpected uh, internet success when it contains an alleged haunting. And then it's just a dark trip down a rabbit hole as he investigates it and experiences the the uh, reaction from the internet as he does it. Brilliant, brilliant. I think that's a good summary. Uh I have seen the film, dear listener, and I'm going to do my best not to spoil it. So all pressure on you, Graham, not to spoil it when we get to talk about the film. Um, <clears throat> but I will follow your lead. Um, but before we go into more detail on the film, and there'll be a link in the show notes as to um, Frightfest programme and where, when, when Death of Vlog is playing, etc. Um, but as it's the 20th anniversary, I thought um, we'd uh, introduce a 20th aspect and getting people to come up with a list of 20 things seemed like a ridiculous idea. So I figured I was on safe ground if I thought, if I ask everyone that comes on this series, what do they remember of their 20th birthday? What do you remember, Graham? Uh, so it wasn't actually that long ago. <laughs> um, but I'm still struggling to remember. I think, I think my 20th was an 80s themed party. Um, and uh, I went as Don Johnson from Miami Vice. Oh, nice! 
Um, so I had the, the whole white suit, pink T-shirt, rolled up sleeves. Um, yeah, there was like an adamant there. My girlfriend at the time was uh, Daisy Duke, although thinking back, was that even 80s? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, that was that was her, her plan anyway. But yeah, I think that I'm pretty sure that was my 20th. Cool. Well, I like the sound of that. Very, uh, very, very TV cinematic. Um, So, um, as I was saying before we started recording, and for the benefit of the listener, Graham wrote, directed, produced, and stars in Death of Vloggers. So, I think we're in good company as far as wanting to learn a bit more about how he made the film. Um, So, if I can start with the sort of beginning of the filmmaking process and ask you, sort of, what was the um, kernel of an idea? That, that gave birth to this as a feature film? Um, well, <clears throat> I'd had a sort of a bad breakup with a film uh, in between Death of a Vlogger and uh, my last feature film. Um, we got to like two weeks before the shoot and um, it all fell apart. It was an absolute disaster. Mm. And uh, I took a, a year off just to uh, spiral into a bit of a depression. Really? Uh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. Uh, just one of the worst experiences of my life. Um, and I think basically working in the kind of like that low budget sphere uh, is trying to make like a, a tiny budget film look like it's got, you know, like a half million budget. And you're always just kind of fighting against that. And then in that period, I saw a film called The Dirties. OK. You ever, you ever heard of it? I don't know. I won't know. Um, so it's like this Canadian uh, school shooting found footage film. All right. And... Uh, it kind of like frankly it kind of looks like shit mm-hmm. and it's really rough around the edges but they took like that aesthetic and or rather they took those limitations and turned it into an aesthetic and instead of making their like 10 grand film look like a you know half a million film they just went with it Got you. Uh, I just thought that was absolute genius and uh, I'd always liked found footage and um, mockumentaries and that so uh, I just took at the time, what I knew well, which was making videos for online, and then spun that into a story where the vlogs and the ripped YouTube stuff um, is the aesthetic, rather than trying to like make it look more polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that I think when I think choosing to, it's great that you're upfront about it being a mockumentary. Yeah, uh, not that it's not that it's something to hide once you start watching it. Like, but but the fact is, sometimes there's that this idea that it's found footage is of um of a real thing but i think i think knowing the documentary format as we do we're not expecting all the high production values whether it be expensive or otherwise we're just expecting to see what we need to see or what we need to hear and yeah i guess mockumentary gives you the excuse to point the camera wherever you want but also have a camera there because someone's meant to be recording this it's not found footage can often be why is a camera there yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. Honestly, like it's, it's a total cheat, you know, to make a mockumentary. It's an absolute cheat. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's just using using the means that I had to yeah. to make a film. Yeah, within those means. And then and then thinking of how um, you sit down and write a movie when when you're working with what essentially is like kind of feels. I mean, watching it, it feels like kind of we're moving between sort of still images and moving images and images within images and stuff, you know, in a very meta way. How, how do you build that up as a feature script? Is that something, did you actually write a script um, for well, this? Or, or did you not? Uh, actually, I edited the film as well. Okay, um, wowza. 
Uh, I'm an editor in, in my day job. Got you. Oh, sorry. It's all right. Oh, lost you there. I'm still here. Um, yeah, sorry, do you want me to start that again? No, well, say you're an editor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I edited the film as well. Um, that's what I do, it's my day job. So, Got you. Um, the writing and uh, putting together all the mixed media that was kind of within the script. I knew what um, what I was capable of and what I could bring into it, and that was all in it from, from the script. Got you. So can I, I mean, just from a kind of rap, because I'm a writer, not a, not a director or editor. So if when, you, when you're pulling this together on the page, so for, to communicate to other people, what does, what does some of the stuff, you know, some of the transitions look like in terms of, you know, obviously it's not always going to be interior this or exterior the other, is it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this is kind of a, it was a weird sort of script in that um, the only people that needed to see it were me and the actors. Got you. Um, and a lot of the montage stuff as well, the actors didn't see because that's that only had like me in it. Got you. Um, so, you know, the more conventional scenes with the other actors, it's just like a kind of standard format. So that was fine. As far as like the other scenes go, it's frankly a bit of a mess. Mm. <laughs> but it made sense to me. So that's all that really mattered. Of course, yeah. So the, so the film... Yeah, so the, the film opens with uh, uh, a couple of like intro scenes and after that shoots straight into this kind of um, fairly fast-paced montage of all these like archive videos and it takes about a minute on the screen, but on the page it's like three or four or maybe five pages because just setting up a vine, <laughs> to write a vine on the page, it's like at least half a page, maybe more. Um, for like a six second thing Jesus yeah just because it's like you know you know you're doing your uh, slug line and then setting up what the location is and then if there's a line of dialogue that you know fills up more and by the time you've done like the six second thing it's yeah half a page so yeah it's really inelegant but fortunately I didn't have to show it to too many people that's cool though. that's really interesting because obviously I mean I guess your skill as an editor is means that you're kind of ahead you can keep ahead of yourself in terms of the uh, I, I, I interviewed uh, Andrew um, Hume who directed um, Snow in Paradise but he's a he's an editor by, by trade and uh, yeah. he <clears throat> he talked he talked a lot about how if he if he could well not extensively like but he, he mentioned that if if you were to show him a script before a film was made he could help many productions in terms of the edit by what he could see on the script before they even set a light up anywhere to shoot a scene you know the idea of how a script's constructed versus what you're going to end up editing yeah 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 that's interesting because um, i mean do you i mean because the, the notion of a kind of you write it you produce it you edit it which is kind of a traditional kind of way of thinking about films are you just wearing are you just taking the hats off like in sequence all the time when you're when you when you're pulling this together um I, yeah i don't really know i mean i've because uh i've been making films for like 10 years and rarely if ever have a budget so i'm used to just kind of handling everything myself like I've, I've, I've had an ad on one shoot that I've done, and it, it was absolutely heaven, but <laughs> um, I, I can get by without and on things like this that are really low scale. Um, 
but uh yeah i think it's just i think i've got a fairly good grasp of how to make films on my own mm. um obviously it won't suit every production but it worked for this one pretty well no very much so and it comes across is it's sort of it feels it feels very fast and uh and very rapid and and um there's a there's, as much as there's there's the element of the supernatural i felt like it was as much a I felt like you'd, you've made as much of a horror about the horrors of social media as you have done about the horrors of ghosts that might appear in your apartment. Yeah, uh, I'm, thanks for that. I'm glad that's come across. That's what I was going for. The, the kind of um, the main idea I wanted to explore at first was, um, yeah. It's, uh, so I've done like a lot of videos for online, and often it's a pretty horrible experience publishing these things um and the and on on two levels the first level is that um there's a weird addiction to it mm -hmm. whenever i publish something online um i'll see that it's online later great great i'll um i'll nip back and i never see how it's doing like views and comments and that but i find it like every five or ten minutes i'm just refreshing the page and just horribly like fixated on reading every comment and going after likes and stuff and it's it's really unhealthy and um there's something about that it's just quite difficult to avoid and then the second part is uh people are just horrible online they, they are aren't they yeah like it, they think the anonymity well it, i say think they think this but it's true the anonymity gives them protection to just be absolute arseholes and it's just yeah it, it's horrible so that was kind of what i wanted to explore with it and um horror is just really good at that like oh man is the real monster you know? yeah yeah no I mean, but the thing is i think we we give ourselves over to the internet and and we don't even know what the internet is we yeah as, as a human race right now things are happening every day with our ipads our iphones our smartphones and computers and whatever else that we're kind of relying on them, and, and like you know, in the way that the, the original kind of dystopian future was sort of like armies of things taking us over. It's like it's almost like as a society, we're just voluntarily just making ourselves dumb. Yeah, I mean, I so while I've made this film that mm. kind of says that, I I don't think it's quite as like doom and gloom as all, as all that. I think it's it's going to be fine, but I certainly think it needs more attention and. For people to at least acknowledge and just think a bit more about um, how they present themselves online and um, just be a bit wary, but I, it'll be fine. Like, but I that's think, a, but that's about rational thought, isn't it? That's about having yeah. rational thought. If yeah. if what you've got is the ability to read and write, but not the ability to critically think, then how the hell do you develop that sense of awareness that a you're being a bastard, or b them bastards who are being a bastard to you? <laughs> <laughs> and not important to your life and you should ignore them yeah it's, it's kind of this is a whole new problem i don't know if you've i mean it's interesting because i think you 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 play off the idea that there's a haunting or there's not a haunting with this idea of the the, the, the horrors of giving ourselves our personalities away on the internet i don't know if you got to see the netflix film cam at all yeah yeah I mean, in that one, yeah, it literally is the internet becomes the malevolent force that steals the personality. So literally, the ones and zeros take you. Which obviously, this is a direction you take yours in. But I think it's. I think you, you, you're in. You're in a kind of 
I think, a rich area that, that's, that, that we don't understand and therefore the horror becomes apparent quite quickly. Yeah, I think um, there's, it's a shame that there's like a, a lot of um, films that came out maybe about 10 years ago when the internet was just becoming prevalent that have dated so horribly trying to evaluate the internet. And I, I, I pray that my film doesn't date like that, but it probably will. Well, there's, but, a, there's, yeah. a, there's a few lines of stuff, but I think because they're contemporary references, but the, your film makes it look like a life with the internet as opposed to, I think, 10 years ago. We were still going. Here's life, and there's the internet, like yeah. as if as if they were in two different. Like there's a box over in the corner of the room called the internet, and the rest of the world is separate from it. Whereas I think, like, like I mean, I'm sat here now with bloody an iPad, a computer, and a phone. You know, ten <laughs> years ago I wasn't doing that. Um, quite scary just to just to consider that. And I'm not. I wouldn't exactly call myself techie, in any way, shape, or form. So someone that's really bothered about it yeah. could could be looking like NASA. You know, in terms of what they could they could be accessing and what they can generate, um, but but when you're ex- when you're exploring that, because I think one of the not wishing to labour the point, but um, but it's the I don't feel like your finger pointing is the point I'm trying to make, just for the audience's benefit. When you watch the film, you're not being told off about the internet. You're not you know, you're not being warned off it. You you just kind of make you play it out like a drama that feels quite natural. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that's come across as well because yeah, I didn't want it to be like some stupid like yeah, finger pointing is a good way of of saying it. I, I didn't want people to feel like I was being smug, like oh look at you sheeple on your phones sort of thing. Mm. Because I I wholly embrace that world. Um, I think I mean I still think the internet is one of the most incredible inventions that mankind's come up with. It's it's insane just how powerful in the the amount of good that can come from it. Um, and I think it's maybe, the film is more about like hoping to preserve that good rather than saying, you know, it's been tainted and we should just all go and live in the woods. I think those, I think that, I think that window of time's passed. The, uh, the return to the woods. Uh, <laughs> I know, I, I know there are knitting clubs in trendy parts of town and things like that, where we go a bit analogy, but I don't think we're finding the knitting club without our GPS on our phone. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, that's, I must admit, there's there's a there's a kind of there was a there was an interview recently with uh, what's he called Jack White, where mm. he was being quite sneery about oh, yeah about that. about people walking around looking at the phones, and I'm thinking, well, Jack, they're not looking at Facebook while they're crossing the road. They are just probably looking at roads because yeah. the phones telling them where to go. It's yeah. not we're not nobody is glued to social media in the way that I think. Some some people who are quite sneery about it, but I must admit, I I as someone that puts a podcast out every week or so, I can completely sympathise with your uh, your view of I won't look, I won't look, I'll don't check, or I'll refresh the page. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of and and and, <clears throat> and I think it's I think ever since I saw Cam really, I've sort of been been sort of thinking more and more about how how the internet is part of life as opposed to it's this other thing. I mean, I'm. I'm of a vintage that when I was a journalist, I remember when PR companies introduced new media as a section. So you had like magazines, newspapers, TV, radio, <laughs> and then you had new media as this thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was treated like as like some bastard offspring. Like now it's the it's like how the hell do we get noticed on the internet? Yeah, new media ate all of the rest. Yeah, yeah, and and <laughs> left no room for anything else. It's it's quite astounding. 
Um, yeah. So you, you, you talked earlier about sort of working to a budget and not having a lot of money in, in that sense. So what, what, what for you making this movie is your kind of um, your piece de resistance for you? What, what did you achieve that was like kind of when you were looking at what you had planned and how you're going to achieve it? You were, you were like, gulp, how am I going to do this? Um, there's a there's a set piece in the middle of the film which mm-hmm. we shot on. A, <laughs> do you know what I was going to say already? Uh, it's a, shot on a 360 degree camera, like a VR camera. Yeah. And um, I yeah, basically it takes place during a séance in the in the story of the film. The characters are filming the the first VR séance, but because obviously. Uh, you can't show VR in um, a film that has a flat 2D perspective. Yeah. It had to be. Um, I think the technique's called over capture, or like that's how that's what GoPro have branded it anyway. Okay. That's where you take a VR uh, video, which is the 360 degree video, and then you frame it as though you have it um, like a digital camera within that, and you can pick your choice of frame. Um, so it means that anywhere in that room we can switch the camera to, I'm really not explaining this well. No, you are, you are, you are. And when people see the film, they'll, 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 they'll know what you mean. Cause it is, it's kind of, you, 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 t- you almost, t- I think you tell us as much in the film <clears throat> because obviously it's a, mocu- it's a documentary that isn't, you can't, we can't shift media. I know and there, you, it's very much a multimedia film, but you literally cannot, I'm guessing it's not, it's not practical. I mean, it's obviously possible. But it's not practical to go, right, everybody, now don your VR headsets. We're going to do the 360-degree <laughs> VR of it. Um, but it is quite freaky. I mean, even though that's the, the the way the tool works, it's quite freaky still, even watching it on a – like I was watching it on a 60-inch telly like, So it was a big enough screen to see it on. And and for me, it was the, um, like your arms reaching and stuff and the way it fucks up with the perspective and things. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. It's like the, it really plays with your mind as you watch it. Ah, oh, thanks. Because, well, yeah, because, I mean, well, because from a horror point of view, you've established already at this point that this thing's going on. So I'm having to do two things, a bit like it follows. I'm watching what you're doing, but I'm obviously also watching what's going on behind you, which is the whole, which is the purpose of the camera anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I was really, uh, I think we got a bit lucky because uh, that was a complete experiment. I'd seen some videos of overcapture uh, before, and I was like, oh, that's... This is the only time this could be used in a film, really. Like the the technique wouldn't work in a a non documentary style. It would just look strange. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, yeah, want to try that, and uh, I put it off and put it off. We we shot over the course of about six months because it was just evenings and weekends, just really like on and off. And I kept on leaving that because, yeah, I was just kind of scared to try it. And we finally set it up, and it's. Three characters, well, technically four characters in a room, um, with about four or five different practical effects. It's one unbroken take of about five and a half minutes, shot on a VR camera, um, with just like, uh, yeah, a lot of weird blocking, and um, we had like an effects person basically that was hiding under the table and then like triggering certain effects at certain points. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was all done. It was all done in camera, um, with like a little bit of uh, help with like after effects. Where did um, you, yeah? 
where would you uh, where were you looking at with your uh, with your ghost hunter character? Your man, your man, your man in the many Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> um, where was I looking at? As in, where did that character? Come yeah, from? yeah. Where, where, where is he born out of? <laughs> uh, have you seen King of Kong? Have I seen King of Kong, the arcade game documentary? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember Billy Mitchell from that film? Do you know I don't? It's a while. So is that is that who he's based? Is that who you were looking at when you when you came? Yeah, he's, he's based on Billy Mitchell, who is. He's the guy that comes in and uh, steals the record from. Oh yes, like, yes. Yeah, he's no, painted no. as a villain in that in got that you, film, which got, I've heard it's been like horribly edited, and he's it's been a character assassination, but still like that. Him in that film, he's just an absolute joy to watch. It's so villainous, and, mm. but so sure of himself at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird kind of. I always find the kind of the alpha male geek a kind of weird concoction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was my only reference that I sent to the actor um, Paddy Kondraki. Right, he's he's brilliant. Um, uh, he's more he's actually more of a writer than anything else. But I've seen him act in a few things, and we've been friends for for years. And yeah, just knew that he'd be perfect for it. Um, but yeah, just this kind of yeah, that, this geek alpha male. I love that expression. <laughs> well, it's a, it's an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're getting it more and more. But if you, if you get, I mean. Christ, if you go back to some of the awful films of the 80s, like Revenge of the Nerds and stuff, yeah, essentially they learn to be horrible alpha males. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I've been watching a lot of, uh, uh, it's like a YouTube channel, um, Pop Culture Detective, I think. Okay, okay. Who's going back and analysing. Uh, there was a really good video that was, um, it was about like toxic masculinity from a geek perspective. Yeah. Whereas you look at these characters as sort of like innocent and the underdogs and all that, but in a lot of ways they're just as like nasty as, as yeah. you know, still, the jocks. They're What's still it? drilling holes in showers to look at naked women. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. That's still yeah. pretty pretty nasty stalking stuff. Yeah. So there's a lot of that in there. there there's a, some kind of low-key um, sexism in his character. I don't want to make it too overt because I think it would be a turn-off because I want him to be quite lovable. But No, no, I didn't, I didn't think it was strong. It just was, obviously, you've made, you've given him this persona, obviously, and in a way, it's exemplary, I guess, because he's got the many Hawaiian shirts and stuff, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a nice affectation. I mean, because they're different, the fact that, 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 that they're all the same style, even though they're different colours, it yeah. sort of, it feels, it, it feels like he's got a uniform, which, which is different from, <laughs> yeah from you, you know, so it's like, even if he doesn't say anything, the very presence of a man on the streets of Scotland in a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> you know, is, is already at odds with his environment, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, those are my shirts, I wear them every day. <laughs> oh, no. Look, you can go in, you can go in H&M at the moment and buy and buy a bag full of them, but, but the fact is, it's just in, in that kind of, in the way that, you know, sort of signals and sort of symbols in, in film, it's, when something's repeated, it feels, it feels like, I'm, it feels like a pattern. You know, yeah, and, and it gives yeah. it, it lends to his character. Yeah, I think I was really towing the line with that character because the whole premise of the film is that it's it, it comes across as honest. I mean, it's like it's in that found footage camp, and the more uh, the more uh, truthful you can make it, I think the more effective it is. And he is genuinely like a uh, a comic relief character, and as soon as you bring something like that in, it, it kind of strains the the conceit. But um, yeah, I'm hoping that it, it plays as kind of real and not just someone they're 
as a joke. Well, yeah, no, because well, well, to me, it was clear he doesn't care about you and he cares about himself, which yeah. is, is is enough for his character. It gives us that kind of opposite to you because you're you're playing the character of someone who is going down a plug hole, whereas yeah. Steve's not. Steve is, for whatever reason, for all everything's going on, he's in control and he and he kind of. I guess snidely just goes, well, this would be good for my Twitter account, be good for my Instagram yeah. account. That's his kind of raison d'etre. You know, Graham's well-being, yeah. as it were, talking about you in the third person, <laughs> you the character, um, yeah. is neither in nor there to him. To him, it's just that class. In a way, it reinforces that, that bigger point that I was making earlier about how you've managed to sort of make the internet into the horror as much as the horror of ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would make someone motivated just by the idea of followers and likes. Um, what was fun? I mean, what freaked me out watching it was uh, seeing a clip of something that clearly is something you've made that I've seen out of context. So the uh, Bags for Life clip. Yeah, I'd seen that. Oh, <laughs> I, I'd literally genuinely seen that virally. Oh man, brilliant! So I hadn't seen it. I, I googled it afterwards, and I think it's the BBC Three or Scotland BBC Three or something. Yeah, it's BBC Scotland that commissioned that one. Yeah, so I've seen that probably within Facebook or on YouTube somehow because I've never, I never actively looked for it, like as yeah. a, as, as in yeah, yeah. following your yeah. career. But I've seen that clip, <laughs> so um, that was that was a very meta yeah. experience within a within a film that sort of commented on that. Yeah, yeah, I, and that was one of the when I was saying about just being sort of pragmatic about making a film that sets within its budget. That was one of the the benefits of making a film like this and starring in it was just I have made shitloads of videos <laughs> for, mm. the, for the internet and I just had all of that at my disposal to kind of make it uh, feel real, you know, because it's, it's real things that I've made that uh, can now just be attributed to the character. Wise choice casting yourself in the lead then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm quite cheap as well, so that's handy. <laughs> Well, look, sir, uh, you're going to be... Uh, do, you, do, you want to, do you want to remind people, then, of uh, where, where they can see it at Fright Fest? Yeah, so we'll be playing um, in the Prince Charles on Saturday, the 24th of August at 10.30 in the morning. So, yeah, early early doors. But, um, and is this, is, this a, is it a premiere of any description for you? This this is our world premiere. Yeah. Wow, come on. I know, it's, and... Uh, I am a little bit flabbergasted that <laughs> that Fright Fest have taken a chance on it. I'm I'm really like chuffed to bits because um, I know as far as I can see, I think we are the only uh, found footage type film in the in the program. Because I know I know found footage is it's a little bit of a dirty word. Yeah, push uh, push the mockumentary side because it is. I mean, I would, yeah. as a viewer, it, it, to me, for those people going found footage headaches. There's none of that really. It's it's people filming what they're doing to document it, and we see it as a document, isn't yeah. it? You know, and there's obviously lots of talking heads and stuff which are not headache-inducing at all. Whereas a camera falling down the stairs every five minutes is <laughs> is kind of what you know. If I hear the kind of moans and whinges of of found footage at Fright Fest or anywhere any other horror kind of get together, it's usually that idea of oh, I don't. It's just there's too much going on. Whereas I felt like there was, um, I watched a, there's a film I watched recently called The Small Town Hero, which again was used that use the, um, the the mockumentary sort of motif to be able to because it's essentially just to find the camera being there, 
and then also getting yeah. away with the with for want of a better expression the lower production values i.e. it doesn't have to all be lit like it's like you're trying to make a you know Jean-Luc Godard film or something yeah yeah I mean I think people always say that it's it's over and it's done I think there's so much life left in it I, I, this is the first time I've made a film in that uh, in that genre and um I had an absolute blast I I, I think um I, I would I would do it again. I think I'd rather not. I think I want to make other stuff, but I would definitely do it again if an opportunity came around. It's, it's, but, it's but it's central to your story. I think that's the important thing for people listening yeah. is that you've you, you've kind of all right. You, you've worked within the constraints of your budget and what you've got available and resources and stuff. But ostensibly, it never felt like I was watching anything that had to be sort of forced onto the camera because it felt like I was, you know, the way you start the film with um, sort of Graham. T- telling his story. I mean, I told my wife the story about the paratroopers after, <laughs> um, and I, I haven't even looked it up. Is it true? So, uh, yeah, the this, this is the first minute. This is this uh, isn't really a spoiler, is it? Yeah, <laughs> not really. No, this this plays into. So I said the whole kind of theme of the film was like um, about the addiction and the the dark side of the internet. Yeah, but as I was making it, it kind of evolved as I was, as I was making it, and. Um, I realized it was more about um, like fake news, essentially, and how we can't believe what we see anymore. And mm-hmm. that's just absolutely terrifying to me. So this, uh, this story of the paratroopers, I was looking for a way to start the film. And my dad told me this years yeah. ago. He told me this story. And um, so it's essentially about how um, when paratroopers in World War II, uh, some of them landed on like rooftops and that, and uh they just like jumped off because uh, uh, they, they just jumped out of a plane and then the relative distance from the rooftop to the ground looked like nothing. Um, and my dad always used this analogy when uh, when I was driving as a teenager and we're on the motorway and coming off uh, in a, like a 30 zone, so going from like a, a 70 into a 30, and he'd be like, oh, you know, like it's going to look like you're going really slow, but, you know, you need to slow down even more. <laughs> it's like you know that way when you come off and yeah 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 no, exactly what you mean yeah it's like you're like oh my god it's like you're going so slow and it's all about this relative perspective yeah no um, I th- no I, so, I, got, I got that yeah it's uh... yeah so I wrote that into the film and then, um, filmed the scene and then realised like I didn't actually fact check this like it's just something my dad told me when I was younger and I have not been able to back this up at all. <laughs> Brilliant! I love it. I love it. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I I realised as I was recounting it to you, I was thinking I've not gone and checked it. That's, yeah, that's and it. and that is like the whole point of the thing is you you can't he- like believe anything you hear. Every time you see an article online and you're about to go and share it with somebody, like wait, hold on, is this actually true? Yeah, Snopes, <laughs> Snopes, Snopes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like some fucking Russian bot that is <laughs> trying to get my, my uh, face app details. Totally, totally. Well, look, have a have an absolute brilliant time at your world premiere. I'm sure you will. Thanks. Are you going to be? Da- are you going to come down for the whole weekend, or are you just getting a few film? Yeah, no, we'll be down. Um, uh, myself and Joma, who also stars in the films, Alice um, yeah. and and. Uh, Annabelle Logan, who stars as Erin, um, the three of us will be down from the Friday morning until like Sunday afternoon. Brilliant, so brilliant. So be getting plenty of films and plenty of drinking in, hopefully. Well, look, have an absolute ball. Uh, just excuse me say thank you very much for giving us your time on the BritFlix podcast. Uh, thanks so much for having me. The BritFlix podcast is provided absolutely free. 
If you want to help me get the podcast out to more people, please take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Or if you want to help me out directly, there's a link in the show notes to my Patreon page. All contributions are welcome. And the music is by Chris Reed of thecomposers.tv. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.